I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Craig, I ask you one question. What do you know? What do you know about Ryan Leaf? What do you know about Ryan Leaf? Be as bluntly honest as you possibly can be, because one thing I've learned about him since he said he would come on with us is that this guy is as honest as it gets when it comes to his own life. So what do you think and know about Ryan Leaf before we change your opinion of him? To be honest with you, you know, I was uh, when you told me that uh, that we had the uh, opportunity to get Ryan Leaf on. I I known of Ryan Leaf just uh, like like most people out there. Um, he was Bust. second overall draft pick. He was the second overall draft pick in 1998 um, behind Hall of Famer Peyton Manning. And, um, you know, there's two careers that went in completely different directions. And two young, two young men back in 98 that had a tremendous amount of upside. And, uh, you know, obviously when you look at uh, the two careers, um, one der- derailed very quickly and you just wonder why, because he had all of the attributes, um, physically to, to be something special, but, um, it'll be interesting to talk to him, to ask him, you know, how, how things derailed, you know, how much pressure is on a young man at that age, um, and, and all the things that you have to overcome. So I'm interested to talk to him. I don't know if I'm at an advantage or disadvantage because I, I've learned so much about him. Okay. Like I've learned there is so much to the story. It's not just, it's not, I mean, you know, to kind of give, you know, our listeners here and viewers kind of a a quick kind of synopsis of it, because I don't want him wasting his time telling us his story. I want to talk about like life after the story. Like he, he was drafted second overall. Uh, you know, won his first two games in his career. Had a had a staff infection that nobody knew about. Decided had the flu all week. Decided to play the third third game. Shouldn't have played. Terrible result. Ends up getting. Wait till you hear the story about why he lit up the the reporter. Okay, because I learned this today, and I had no idea. I'm like, oh, he was just uh, you know a. Uh, uh, dickhead athlete who attacked a reporter for writing something shitty which he did something that made me laugh in episode three of his podcast bust and i suggest that you check it out because it's it's just honest like it's so honest it's uncomfortable you know what i mean like but it's real and i appreciate it because i feel like i'm listening in some sort of way not completely but in some way i feel like i'm listening to myself speak Minus all the talent, you know what I mean? But enough talent to be drafted high enough where, you know, you can say there's potential there and whatever, but, oh my God, like, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I'm, I can almost relate too much 
to to his antics and his philosophy and his mindset. What brought us to that point of, I don't know if it's narcissism or he uses narcissism or whatever the case may be, but whatever, what might be different paths, what got us to that point. But I mean, my God, like this guy made 30 some odd million dollars in his first contract signed for the same deal as Peyton Manning could have gone number one, but was, didn't want to go number one. Really wanted really. Well, wanted to go to San Diego. He says it like in ep- like I think he's episode two or three of his podcast. Yeah, he says I wanted to. I wanted the girls and I wanted the money out and the sun. And he goes, I wanted the beach. He's like, I didn't want to go to gloomy Indi- Indianapolis. You know what I mean? Like he's he's just so honest. He's like, I didn't want to go to Indianapolis. He goes, I probably could have gone number one. He goes, Ursay loved me. The owner loved me, but I didn't want to go number one. He's like, I I so, you know. Well, that's the thing with so much talent. It's the size. He had the arm. He had everything. It's just wondering how things can derail so quickly. Yeah. So I, I was saying, so he had that bad third week. Then he had a bad fourth week. And then I think things started to, to melt down from there. So the pressure, then, is that pressure? Unnecessary pressure because I, you know, it's funny. I was listening to, I went back and watched some of the 98 draft and I was, you know, listening to, uh, he could go all the, what's the guy's name? Uh, big football guy. I can't, I'm just drawing a blank on him, but everyone knows his name, the legend there. Uh, Matt is not Madden, but you know, ESPN guy. So anyway, so he's just saying like, you, you know, man, who's the pressure on? Is it Manning? Who's got Marvin Harrison and Marshall Falk in the background, uh, backfield, you know, who he's got all the weapons or is the pressure on Ryan Leaf uh, who doesn't really have that, shouldn't really start week one, you know, should start about a month into the season, right? But he goes there, lights it up in training camp. So they start him and he wins his first two games, right? So it's like, it all and Manning lost his first two games, so you know it all starts to perpetuate in his head, and he you know he just you know gets yeah it just takes off and and so the the, the story is is he retires from football he quit you know it's same language I use I'm like I didn't retire from hockey I quit hockey and and he uh, you said you you remember hearing the story about when he started using pills. Yeah. And, you know, something that I'm going to ask him about, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, talk about it now on here because I want to hear okay. from his perspective. I want to hear what he has to okay. say about, you know, the first time that, you know, there was a major, major change in his life because of him taking, you know, painkillers and, he- and where that took him. Basically, to jail. And it didn't, and it didn't take him in a good direction. Took him to jail. Hey, the story's out there; it's no secret. It took him to jail, and there's just so much in there. And his rebound back to life, and um, just his resurrection has been incredible. And uh, he's open about his story. He's open about his issues, and I cannot wait to talk to him. So, let's get inside with Ryan Leaf, and. What an absolute pleasure and honor it is to have you on here, Ryan. As I was telling you, just uh, just a few minutes ago, I you know I'm I'm ten almost ten years sober, and um, you know we we've had you know a couple guests on here that have 
and, and, you know, their, their family history of, you know, had issues with sobriety and another guy who's been to rehab and, uh, we got some great responses on, on, uh, on those guests. And I think what people love to hear is that athletes are just human beings, you know, normal people like everybody else and suffer from shit like everybody else. So I, I saw your, your tweet about being seven years sober and I appreciated you getting back to me and being willing to come on. So congratulations yeah, on this Friday um, as well. That was seven years out of prison. Seven years out of prison. Yeah. So how, how long have you been sober? Uh, just over nine and a half years. So it'll be 10 years, April 1st. Yeah. So I'm, I'm 10 so you years. You guys are pretty close. I'm 10 years, May 15th. May 15th uh, is my 10. You'll be 10. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be 10 before you then April fool's day. May so, 15th, May 15th, by the way, is my birthday. My real birthday. Is it really? Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. You say that. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be cheesy, but I kind of view May 15th as like a rebirth day for me. You know what I mean? Like a complete moment in my life that completely changed the direction of who I was in my thought process. You know what I mean? And where I wanted to go, who I wanted to be, how I wanted to treat people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, either you make a 180 degree lifestyle change or nothing changes. So that's, I, I can attest to that completely and understand that completely because like no matter where I went or where I was or who was around me or who was saying anything, I was always the problem. So I had to, I had to change my lifestyle completely. Otherwise, you know, nothing was going to change. I'll say this. I've been listening to your podcast bust and I love it. I love it. I just finished uh, episode three. Um, and you know, it's funny cause there's so many things that, that we obviously want to talk to you about. You've got such a story career. Um, but that incident with the reporter and I'm like, yep. you know, and then all of a sudden I listened to that episode today, knowing you're coming on and I'm like, Oh shit, he talked about it. He talked about the whole thing today. Cause I wanted to know, yeah. you know, about the apology letter and everything. And it turns out your dad wrote it, but but in that episode, I learned something else. I just, I learned two things. One, the old Ryan Leaf and the old Andrew Peters would have been unbelievable friends, okay? Yeah. And, and, and number two, I learned that, that the story about you seeing the reporter on the sidelines and you're like, I saw this reporter on the sideline. He had just written a story that wasn't really, a, you know, kind about, I can't remember the exact word you used, but it wasn't really a, 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 you know, a positive story about you. And you're like, so I just fucking launched it and hit him right in the head, right, <laughs> right on the sideline. I, I rewound that twice. I was just dying laughing, dying laughing. Well, you know, I just, I thought I was, uh, I thought I was more important than everybody else, you know, especially since I could play this game and these, these peons who were covering it uh, in the media, you know, what, what do they know? How do they, uh, and they have to re be respectful to us. We're the stars here and, and all of those things. So yeah, pretty, pretty led by my ego uh, through all of that and um, my lack of self-esteem. And if I wasn't shown in the light that I felt like I should be, then I was going to let you have it. And the good thing about the, the podcast for me is, is uh, and, and it's tough with, with people I know who know me now because they say that doesn't really sound like me too much in the early episodes. And I said, I'm, well, I'm telling the story from, 
the perspective of me during that time. And so, you know, for the first few episodes, I may sound like a real asshole again, because that's how I was at the time. And so the way I'm talking and expressing, of course, I, you know, revert back to who I am now and the way I think. Uh, I think there was a, a point in the episode where I say something just outrageous about what I said at the time. And then I just kind of stop and I go, what an asshole. Yes. You know, yeah. I, I, I know just, exactly. I know exactly. the Cause I heard it today. I heard exactly what you're, and I, we don't need to repeat it. If you want to hear it, go listen to the pod. There's a, there's a good little tease for it, but, but it's amazing. Like how, how there is it? I mean, you've talked, I watched your whole thing that you did at, at Washington state university. It was people toss around the word powerful all the time. Like, oh, it was so powerful. That was, that was incredibly powerful. I, I, you know, my question is how therapeutic are you finding the podcast? Cause I know you do therapy. Is it, or is it another Avenue of therapy for you? Um, I'll let you answer that one. Cause I, I the other question I have here, uh, you know, but are you finding it therapeutic for you and how hard is it to be so honest? Like you're so it's uncomfortable how honest you are. You know, it's uncomfortable for some people sometimes like, I remember when I first got out of prison and I was like playing golf with some, some new friends and like, just, I I'm so open with it. I'm like, you know, when I got out of prison and all of a sudden somebody who had been playing with me for a few years just kind of goes, yeah, dude was yeah, in prison. Yeah, yeah. Why, was he in, why was he in prison? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I was, I'm so, you hear me talk about it in the first couple episodes, just about how I was brought up uh, kind of shamed uh, wasn't really transparent or vulnerable with anybody or anything. So like I've gotten to a place where like, I don't care what people know. This is me. I'm very comfortable with who I am and who I see in the mirror every day. I, I, I like who I am and who I was in the past is exactly that a, a past version of myself where everybody else has gone through something similar, regardless of who you are. My story isn't unique. Uh, it may be have some unique markers simply because of, uh, you know, what you see behind me on the wall and stuff like that. But, you know, other than that, it's it's the story of recovery and mental health and everything that everybody goes through every single day. And it's. Um, Are you proud of what you see on the wall behind you? Yeah, extremely proud. I mean, I'm the only Montanan who's ever been drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. So, I mean. You know, there's there weren't any trailblazers. You know, you, you're making an omelet. You got to break some eggs. That's what I say. And you know, I broke some eggs. That's just the way it went. It got to me where I needed to get to. But once I got there, I was incapable of, uh, or did not have the life skills uh, to be a success at the highest level. Doesn't mean was it just was it maturity? What you talked about, you know, your ego. And, you know, dealing with, you know, whether it's reporters, you felt above them. And, and when you came to the NFL and was drafted high and how you were treated all those years previous leading up to your, your draft. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Craft, you know, how, how did you get to that point? You know, like it, I just thought I just, I, was, just everything came, you know, not that I didn't work my tail off, but then once I did, like things came, came easy to me. Yeah. Right? I was head and shoulders more talented than everybody else. Um, you know, and I just assumed it was going to be that way in the NFL. Why not? It had always been that way in high school and college. Uh, I just achieved everything I'd ever wanted to achieve. Why would this be different? Well, the difference is um, you, you've gotten to another level, right? It's the 1% of the 1%. That's, uh, and, and if you're not uh, functioning on a high level, uh, especially between your ears when you're dealing with mental illness, uh, you're, you're not going to be successful. There's a reason why there's, you know, why there's only 350 Hall of Famers ever in the NFL, right? So uh, it, it's extremely difficult. And if you are not prepared, if you are not capable of dealing with failure in a positive and healthy way, you're going to be found out in a hurry and you're going to be sent off on your ass. And that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, because of the expectations that were so high, because of who I was drafted uh, alongside, um, that makes for this uh, a different kind of story. And, and the way I crashed and burned, that's that's the reason why it continues to be, um, my name continues to be um, brought up in these worlds uh, every single year, every single April. Has it gotten easier? Like, I, I got to tell you, after getting to know you through all these interviews, I, I, I don't know if you want the, the sympathy or empathy, but I feel bad for you. Why like is that? I, I don't think, I don't, I don't feel like you deserve the I chose to play. I chose to play uh, a professional sport. I chose to be in the public eye. You know, that's, that's just how it is. You know, sure. Could people have treated me better? Sure. Could I have treated people better? Of course. So, I mean, you know, I did I don't, wanting the fame and fortune. I didn't want the fame at all. I didn't want the fame. I just wanted to play football uh, and be liked. That's all I ever wanted. Um, I just did it in, a, in an incredibly poor way. You know, I, I, I took the Dennis Rodman approach. Like, when did you start feeling the pressure? When was it the toughest? When did it start to mount on you the most? And then pressure was have- never the issue. You know, that pressure was always been the case. I never, it wasn't about the pressure. It was about how I dealt with things that, that was the problem. Um, cause life isn't fair. It's about how you deal with it. That matters. And I just, I dealt with it so poorly uh, for so long. You know, you always have a choice to deal with any situation in a positive and healthy way or a negative and toxic one. And the negative and toxic one is much easier, right? It's harder to take the high road and be about love and understanding and empathy. That's, that's the hard route. The easy route is to be angry and judgmental and fearful and all of those things. And that's, that's how I lived my whole life. You know, I was shamed by my, my family and my hometown uh, and the media, um, when things turned and flipped, when I became like the most, I was the most loved person in the city of San Diego to the most hated in about a couple of weeks. How does that happen? You know, how does that even uh, transpire? Um, it's extremely traumatic. And it reminded me of exactly where I grew up, you know, like there was this happy medium in college where, you know, I'd found where I belonged, I felt like, you know, in the state of Washington, Washington State University, an underdog that had overcome and accomplished something that that a team hadn't done in, in 67 years. And I was I was theirs like they had adopted me. And it's the first time I'd ever felt 
that way. In San Diego, early on in my career, felt like that again. Like the city was so excited to have me be their quarterback, and I just completely let them down by the way I behaved, the way, the way I before how I performed, um, and how I treated people. Just flat out failed them. You said in in your uh, speech at at Washington State, you said uh, John Elway came to visit you for a weekend. What were those conversations like? What is a he reached out. Oh, he, he reached out okay, on he, the phone. Yeah, he reached out on the phone. So um, what's he saying to you, and, and what's he trying to get through to you at the time? And what was there anything that he could have said that could have helped you? No. There's nothing anybody could have said because plenty of people tried, right? Um, and I just was – I wasn't having it, right? It wasn't my issue. It was your issue, right? I was the victim in all this. So I surrounded myself with people who enabled that behavior. Um, so if you were going to show me the mirror and show me how I was behaving and what I needed to do to correct it, I, I was, it was, you know, it was a big fuck you to you. Um, I wasn't, there's nothing, there's nothing or, or anybody that could have changed how I was going to behave. I had to be humbled. That's, that's the bottom line. I had to wake up on, on a prison cell floor. So are you, so, so let me get this straight. So are, are you sitting there going like, Fucking John Elway. What are you, what can John Elway teach me? Yeah. I just, I simply thought I was going to be greater than him. I was going to win. I wasn't going to go lose Super Bowls, right? I was going to win them. Um, I'd always done it, you know? So, and it's not, it's not me. It's them, you know, it's their fault. It's not mine. Um, I, like I said, I'm the victim here. How so, many athletes yeah. do you think are like this though? Like, that a probably, ton, a yeah, ton are like probably this hide they it. don't have the life skills because they've been placed on a pedestal their whole life. The difference is they're extremely more talented than I am. And if you can go out and play, you can be the biggest son of a bitch you want to be. That's just the that's just the reality of it all. But if you if you if you can't back it up, then you're going to be found out pretty quick. Uh, you know, are. the criticism yeah, is going to come pretty fast and hard yeah. if you can't do it on the football field. Hmm. You know, I, I read an article about, you know, when you got addicted to painkillers and um, it was at a Mike Tyson fight. I can't, I'm not a hundred percent sure the year. Can you tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, that situation and how that, uh, how that happened? Yeah. I re- had retired from the NFL or quit. Um, thought I'd be able to kind of disappear, but like I told you earlier, like my name just, it just doesn't go away. Yeah. Uh, and so I was in Vegas for a fight. I thought it was a Tyson fight. I've been, been corrected by others that Tyson hadn't fought at that time. So it must've been a De La Hoya. Well, it was just, a, it was a fight in Vegas period. Might've been an MMA fight too. Who knows? But anyway, they announced the celebrities that are sitting ringside. And when it's a, it's a trade-off when you get the free tickets, um, you know, they, they use it as an opportunity to announce the celebrities that are that are ringside and things like that. And it was always it, I was always fearful of that because I just I knew what the reaction normally was. Um, and in and for whatever reason that night, um, when then the MC announced my my name, like the whole MGM Grand just booed and hissed, and my attic brain um, because I, I I was a drug addict long before I ever took a drug. 
um, heard that not only are you a terrible football player, but you are a, an awful human being. What did you do? What did you do when they were doing that? I can't remember. Because I apparently probably, I probably hid my head or tried to put my eyes down to the fake floor. smile or something. Like I can't, I, I can't imagine like, being in that situation. They announced Michael Jordan. They announced Tiger Woods. They announced all these names and the crowd was going nuts. And then you had said that they had announced your name and people started to boo. Yeah. And people start, you know, to hiss and it. And I can't even imagine, like you're a professional athlete. You were drafted extremely hey, I'm about high. To go to, uh, I'm about to go to my first Chargers game this weekend for their Legends weekend. Um, I anticipate um, to, be, to be booed extremely loudly. Really? Um, even after everything? After no people way. Don't my, way. People don't know my story. You know, I, I, I think I take it for granted that people just – know my story and know what I've been through. I've had people recently um, message me and say, I cannot believe I missed that you went to prison, you know? And I, and I have to remember like, dude, you are not the center of other people's stories, right? You are the center of yours. Um, so you just can't assume that people have any idea of what you've been through, what you're going through, what's ahead for you. So. Well, you certainly know, and you probably have learned this, um, through the tough travels that, that, you know, that, uh, you know, you know who your true friends are. Right. And, and, you know, I've I've definitely found those. And you know, that the people that don't hear the positive things that you're doing and and the resurrection of, of Ryan leaf that don't hear about them. That's because they live on the negative. They live only in the fact that you were in jail or that, that I was an alcoholic or that I was, you know, like, like they, they'll only live in, in those because, they don't want to ever release you from that prison. And, and, and does that, does that people, make sense? And what are those, and what those people think of you is none of your business either. So um, it doesn't matter. Right. At all. I hope, I hope you're very pleasantly surprised. I, so let me ask you, why, why would you, if you're expecting that, why I, I don't say hide, I say, but why put yourself in that situation? I want to be part of something. I want to be proud of something. And um, I didn't have a team. Like everybody retires, guys playing the league for a year, two years, whatever team that is, you go back to for these kind of events. Yeah. Look at Craig. You know? He has four teams. He doesn't have a home. I have four teams too. And so this was the team that drafted me. And yeah. it's in my hometown now, right? It's in Los Angeles. Um, and I do a lot to give back to the Chargers and to the NFL community, especially um, my brothers who are who are struggling. And so I want that. And there's you got to take baby steps, right? This may be the first step. This is the first time I'm going back to do it. You know, my son uh, is going to be with me. He's got a Justin Herbert jersey that he's going to wear. He's excited about it. These are the types of things. Like as a dad, and uh, he's you know, wearing a Herbert jersey. Of course he is. Justin Herbert is the what? man. Yeah. No, he should be walking out in a Ryan Leaf jersey. Are you no, nuts? We don't want, we don't want, we don't want hey, him to get beat up. Get take, a little, take a little luck here. We got the Super Bowl champs on their way. <sighs> All right. We're, yeah, we're in Buffalo. All right. we, I don't, we lost that. I don't, I don't think he really cares about the Bills right now. Really. Yeah, I don't think he cares. Well, I, I do. I, I love Josh Allen. I think he's exceptional. I, I think they get thumped tonight. 
by the by the Patriots, but that's just me. Are you serious? Yeah, the Patriots are playing better than anybody in the NFL right now. So, wow. Okay, I, I'm not saying I disagree or agree because I don't know. I mean, my I, heart, I my heart just skipped there. I beat. I don't even. <laughs> well, they play I, each other twice here in the next couple of weeks, so yeah. it's going to determine the AFC East this year. These two games. Did yeah. you uh, Did you play Monday Night Football game? Yeah, I played when I was with the Cowboys. I played in a Monday Night Football game. Um, is the pressure more real than a normal Sunday game, or is it? No, no. It just it's neat. I played on a Thanksgiving day to day two, where you know you're the only only show in town. That's pretty cool. Like everybody in the who's an NFL fan, regardless, when there's only one game on for people to watch, they're watching you. Yeah. And uh, and how'd you do that? Game? I did that. I was with the Dallas Cowboys in in that star, which is pretty cool. Oh, I, I want. I don't want to dwell. I want to go back to to you going back to San Diego because I think it's unbelievable. I'm. I'm well, it's I, L.A. Oh yeah, sorry. L, that's right. That's right. That's right. I. I, yep. I mean, I did know that, but uh, so you're going San to Di- San Diego probably would be tougher. I think. I don't know if I could do that. So, so I guess my question is this: So, are are you? What have you done to prepare yourself? Because that was a trigger or, the last time. Or. Do you need to prepare yourself? Okay, even no, maybe he's maybe he's yeah, not maybe at he's at that maybe he's found a, a good place. Right I'm looking now. forward to yeah. this on Sunday. I'm really I got to go to SoFi a few weeks ago uh to work. I called the Rams Sunday night matchup against the Tennessee Titans uh as part of my new broadcast broadcasting career. Uh so I've been to the stadium, I know what it looks like. Um uh, it's a wonderful venue. The Chargers are playing incredibly well. Uh, I've had uh, good conversations and the relationship with the ownership there. The Spanos has, has has grown over the last few years, which is which is wonderful because ultimately when it's all said and done, we're we're all flawed human beings trying to be better every single day. And so um, that's what I'm looking forward to. I can tell you something. You look 10 years younger than your mugshot. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you find like, I find like everyone's like, now I'm 41. Okay. I don't, I don't think I look 40. I mean, right now I might, but I mean, like I, I look all right some days and someone's like, I can't believe you're 41. You look like you're 35, 30, 34, 36. I honestly believe that quitting the, the booze almost 10 years ago and like off every prescription pill that you could imagine. Like I barely even take an Advil if I have a joint pain these days. Yep. probably six years. So like, I think it helps us look better. And, and the, and the food you put in your body, that's been a big, big difference for me too. It's the kind that's of food. It looks like he's body. 60. That's why Craig looks like he's 60. Craig's only 20. <laughs> Craig's only 29. Eh? Well, you know, you know, I've been, I've, uh, um, I don't know if you guys know Nate Thompson at all. Um, Hockey player. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Nate. Nate and I have become pretty pretty close. Um, and that dude, it feels like that dude is is going out. It's like he's Benjamin Button stuff. He's played. I, you talked about playing for four teams. I think Nate's played for like thirty teams. I don't know how many yeah. teams are in the NHL either. But um, and and hard hard uh, hard minutes that he played. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and he's still going. He's still he going. Plays for the Flyers this year, and and uh, he looks like he's getting younger. So I mean. Uh, I had a shoulder to shoulder collision with him. <laughs> okay. I'm the time. Like I'm six, four two, 35, two He's what six feet two yeah. ten. 
yeah. 210. I swear to God, he like so many times, but I had him lined up and I went and just laid into him and he saw me at the last second and it was a chest to chest, like almost like, and just no one went down. No one went down, but I just, I was just kind of like, oh, like, you know, when you just get hit, like, I mean, you know, you've probably been cranked too. Like we all have, like you get frigging cranked. I mean, so do you like hockey? I do. I never, for whatever reason, ever got on ice skates. Um, I love, I love going to it. I love watching it. Um, I, I have a ton of respect for the athlete, uh, the NHL player, the hockey player, period, the hand-eye coordination to be able to do that on razor blades. And, uh, and then I spent, you know, my early recovery was in Vancouver, British Columbia. And so I became a, a Canucks fan while I was there. And a Nickelback uh, fan, I bet. I ran into the Nickelback crew at the, uh, at the Roxy a bunch. Yeah, uh, you did. Back in the day there. Oh, uh, they're Roxy. Let's oh, yeah. go. Yeah. Um, I grew up a, a Penguins fan. Mario Lemieux was my guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, follow hockey. Uh, Love to go. You know, when Nate was with the Anaheim Ducks, uh, spent some time down there in Anaheim watching him play and those guys play. So, uh, it, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I enjoy it. I'll, I'll, I'll sit and watch it. I love going into it live, especially. I have a quote. I, I loved your quotes. But you said the best advice you'd give yourself. It's going to be a hell of a ride, and it's going to hurt like hell, but you're going to be okay. Yep. Do you ever wish things were different? Do you ever wish you played basketball instead of football? Uh, yeah, I always wished I would have played basketball. I just I wasn't talented enough uh, to do it as a profession. Um, Craig, you a slip- Craig, you probably didn't know this. He played in college. His rookie, his first year in college, he played college basketball. Is that that true? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I uh, I loved it. I loved it, and uh, I still miss it. Um, I miss it a hell of a lot more than I do uh, miss football, but uh, um, it's a slippery slope to to regret any of this. If I would have, you know, had if it had things turned out differently, um, I I wouldn't have gone through the things I had to go through to make me the man I am right now, and um, that's more important than you know, success or money or anything, the, the life skills developed because of the pain sometimes is exactly what everybody needs. And it was exactly what I needed. Uh, and it's going to allow me to be grateful and blessed the rest of my life because of it. I, uh, I loved what you said. Um, I got, I got Ryan. I mean, I don't take notes. Like we, uh, I interviewed Wayne. You know Gretz. what? I interviewed. You know what's Gretz funny about this, Petey, is we have been doing. We've worked together for almost six years now. We we were on a, a a radio TV show for five years, and we've been doing this podcast for a number of months now. I'm going to tell you this. I am I am the notes guy. I need to be prepared. That's just the way I am. Petey is. He loves to be off the cuff. This is the right. first time. 
<laughs> and it's actually uncomfortable, Petey, watching you right well, now. Because look at your notes. This I, is embarrassing. I feel just like I'm being so questions. I'm being so not me right now. But but the you know I just. I, no, I. You know why? You're like, starstruck was, right now. It's uh, so yeah, ridiculous. No, I, I can see it in, in the way you're asking your question. It's it, it's a I'm joke. I'm like that too. When I meet I, golfers, I am so <laughs> starstruck. When I meet golfers, it's like, like if I like I could run into Michael Jordan and be like, yeah, that's cool. It's Michael Jordan. That's cool. But if I ran into Tiger Woods again, or if I ran into Jordan Spieth or something like that, I would just be like, like the little kid, like a little kid with them. I, you know, I have notes or questions. So or do you play? Yeah. Oh God, yeah, I love it. It's my favorite thing to do. So you're obviously what a scratch plus two. What are you? Um, I think I'm at around a two right now. So okay, good you enough. Yeah, that's uh, that's some good golf. You yeah. have to you have to excuse I'll, I'll take Craig. a couple strokes. Craig can be a bit of a dick sometimes. The reason why I did the notes, Craig, was because I felt that Ryan deserved the respect and time for and the preparation. So you haven't respected anybody else that we No, I had Gretzky on. I didn't I had Gretzky on. I went off the cuff with him too. I'm like, fuck, I watched my whole career. Well, that's man. the point. Like when you play, when you play with them, even though they may be the greatest of all time, you're still kind of like, you know, up here. Yeah. But like, like I could never do what any professional golfer does. Even though I, you know, it you know, imitate it somewhat when I go on the weekends or like that. It's it, it will never look the same, sound the same. Ball flight, all of it. Not not at all. You actually consider golf a sport or like more of a hobby? It's, it's, well, it's, I know. I'm just messing with you. I just, I, I love to throw that out there. I'm not a it's golfer. It's definitely a sport. It's my hobby now. <laughs> I don't take it too seriously. I have a lot of fun with my boys and stuff. And So do you ever, like, how old are your boys? I have, I have, a, I have one son. He's four. Okay. Uh, and, Will uh, he play football? No, he won't play football. Why? What? Um, because what if he not. wants to play football? Well, he, we're, we're going to give him the choice and all the information when he's sixteen. He can't wear a helmet till he's sixteen. That's the deal. That's the deal. My my uh, his mom and I have made. Uh, and uh, you know who knows what football will look like then? It may not even exist. You know, twelve years from now, in the direction it's going in terms of safety. Uh, and if if you know my peers continue to kill themselves because they have brain trauma that's so bad that they think that's the easier way out than, than to get help, uh, then it better be gone. Right. And I have a ton of, um, friends. And in fact, I have a few doctor friends who are neurologists and neurosurgeons and the type of brain trauma they're dealing with now. And in, in contact sports, I just, why would I ever want my son, um, to, to, you know, have to I don't deal think with my that. parents would put me in hockey and let me be a fighter in the NHL uh, if they knew what could potentially be right. staring down now, the line. Don't get like, me wrong. What football gave me in terms of leadership qualities, uh, the camaraderie, uh, the fellowship, all those things, they, they gave me a ton of great skills. Uh, but, you know, would I do it again? Hell yeah. Right. I mean, I loved it. I got paid handsomely for it. It was a dream of mine. I just don't think it will be the dream of his, you know, I, I, you know, we're, we're going to give him all the info. And, and, I, and if you haven't played or put a helmet on until you're 16, it's, it's, it's doubtful that you will do it. And he's just going to be so darn big. He's going to be six foot nine, probably. So is your wife get a, tall? 
Yeah, she's six foot one. Um, oh my god! So we're we're gonna we're you're gonna working get a on the yeah the we're gonna get a basketball jump shot jump shot yeah yeah. But you can only dunk what three times in the first half, and then he has to shoot, right? Is that what it, is that what they're gonna? T- is that what they had to tell you to do? You can't dunk. Was it you, you can't dunk more than three times in the first quarter? You can't do this because is that right? Well, they they didn't like the fact that I could dunk. Um, it was just a weird. It was a weird time. Not many guys were dunking in the state of Montana. Uh, I could jump out of the gym, um, and I watched the likes of of Jalen Rose and, and Chris Weber and those guys at, at Michigan. And that's those who were, those were my heroes. Right. And so I, I saw how they played and that's how I played. And it, it wasn't necessarily um, welcomed in, in that real conservative kind of blue collar town of Great Falls, Montana. I, you, you touched on it, but the CTE, and we kind of got away from it through humor because that's what, you know, denial maybe looks like, yeah. but, but CTE, are you scared of it? Definitely. Um, I, I think I'm living with it. Um, and luckily for me, my addiction, which led to criminal consequences has made me address it. Um, and I'm grateful for that because there's a lot of, of peers of mine and probably yours that have not been held in the microscope uh, when they mess up um, and are either no longer with us or haven't you know surrendered to that uh, and accepted help yet. So I'm really grateful for it. I do believe I'm living with it. I know it can't be fully diagnosed until, uh, until you're, you're, you've passed away in a post-mortem autopsy. Uh, but I think we know over the years now what the symptoms look like and the things that, uh, that, that, that I've exhibited. And so um, when I go into situations or when I have mental health episodes, you know, you know my, my wife and I, we, we, we address it and we, uh, look at it as a, as, as a CTE symptom. And, uh, you know, we have things in place for that. Um, and we are open-minded to that existing and not in denial that it doesn't, uh, like the NFL or, or the NHL, you know, it, it, we, we are completely open to what that looks like and what we can do to better ourselves, to put us in the best possible uh, position, because it's going to continue to affect us. In your in your journey to hell and back, I know you you talk about the people that were there for you, but is there anybody that kind of came out of the woodworks that you never thought of that reached out and offered support as you were coming back? Um, I mean, I've had so many people lift me up. Um, there have been a couple um, since moving to Los Angeles, really, uh, that have you know, regardless uh, of situation, Rich Eisen uh, being one of them. Uh, he's given me unbelievable opportunities to really kickstart my my second career here in the broadcasting side of things. Um, you know, and, and, and it, it didn't matter um, what I had done. Uh, it was who I am. 
and what I can do moving forward. He's been extremely um, meaningful. Uh, you know, the fellowship in my AA groups here in Los Angeles have been my rock, right? They are no holds barred, um, the best group of men because um, they don't hold back. I mean, they hold me accountable. They are not placating me or blowing smoke up my ass. They, they tell me when old Ryan shows up and though I may not like it, um, like to hear it, no one does. No one likes to hear constructive criticism, especially when you feel like you've grown and gotten to a place. I do when they say I did something good afterward. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, they've been extremely um, uh, important. My wife, um, she didn't know me uh, before we met six years ago. And um, so she doesn't know that version of me. How cool is that? Like uh, the, the best possible version of myself is, is who she gets to, to be with and uh, her support, uh, her guidance, just her, her loving hand on my shoulder through the whole process uh, of being a new father. You know, I was terrible at relationships. Uh, I'm still feel like I'm bad at it, but she's been, she's been amazing. Uh, so well, yeah, there's you, been so many people I can't, I can't even count you, you, who have been uh, a really incredible part of my life here in the last, you know, seven years. You bring up your wife and, and before I had a great pickup line for you before, but we had all those, uh, issues with the technical side you're the hearing each other and i had a great pickup line when you jumped right on i was going to say the most honest man i've never met because isn't that what how your wife described you and your brother started to laugh when yeah, she said well, at, you know, at why at ryan because he's at the, the most engagement honest. party at the engagement party she said uh my brother asked her you know what you know what ultimately was it about ryan that made you made you know and she said i was the honest uh, the most honest man she'd ever met and my brother just fell on the floor laughing because that's not the definition of me. He <laughs> right. Um, and I've let her down a, a bunch since that statement. Um, I know that. And, but that's, you know, that's life. And, uh, she still got my back through this all. And, uh, I love her to death for it. Well, I, I don't, I don't want to take, a ton more of your time. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this Dr. Ryan Leaf. <laughs> I am a doctor now, by the way. I have, I, I got so I a doctorate last year. So, yeah, I, so I, if you want to call me doctor from now on, I'll, I'll accept it. Dr. Ryan Leaf. Now, now you got that for the commencement speech at a university in Missouri. Was it the University of Missouri? No, it was William Woods University in, in, in Missouri there. Yeah, I gave the uh, keynote commencement speech and, and was awarded a, a, a doctorate, and a, a, an honorary doctorate. So <laughs> my wife won't nice. do it. I keep telling her, you need to call me doctor. She, she won't. Absolutely. Got to hold her to that for sure. Last question I have for you. You say second part of your life. Broadcast. Nervous? Scared? How'd that make you feel uh, starting this new chapter? You know, when I first started, yeah, because I'm like, you know, I've been beat over the head for so long that I was a terrible football player that I'm like, why would anybody listen to me? And one of my early bosses who hired me at Sirius XM uh, looked at me and said, Ryan, 
you've forgotten more football than anybody that other people will ever know. And I mean, it, it was, it was amazing to hear and being given the opportunity. Right. And then it's just, it's just grown and grown and grown. And I really love doing it. I love traveling around the country, calling college football games. Um, we get to, we're, we're headed to London uh, this week uh, and I'm going to be the NFL analyst in London for Sky Sports for the final five weeks of the season. How cool is that? We get to spend Christmas and New Year's as a family in the UK. I've never been able to do that before. So, I mean, the opportunities, uh, when people tell you, like, the promises will materialize if you continue to work for them, uh, it's not a lie, people. It is not a lie. I'm a, I'm a perfect example of that. Good for you, man. I mean, that it's an unbelievable story. It's your story is the story for everybody to hear because it's the most real story that I that I know. And I, I, I what I wrote to you the other day in that that direct message was I said it, it's an honor. It'll be an honor and a privilege to be able to speak to you today. And and well, I think I, I can't that. Thank uh, you I think there's when there's when the realization sets in like like you are like everybody else you're not any more important or less important that that you're a flawed human being like everybody else that's just trying to be better every single day like when you fully and, and honestly accept that like that's the that's the shift that's the change and uh it took me a a lot longer than it probably should have um but I'm grateful that it did and uh and I get to I get to experience life now like this. Um, I know I'm incredibly grateful for it. That's for sure. I swear this is the last question. This is for our Buffalo audience. Did you ever get to play in Buffalo against Buffalo? And did, or did you ever get to hang out in Buffalo at all? And were you almost ever a bill? I was never almost a bill. Um, my first game ever was against the Buffalo Bills. Um, but it was in San Diego. It was my first win um, against, uh, I think Doug Flutie ended up coming in. Um, before that was... Uh, um, was it Rob Johnson? Rob Johnson was the quarterback that day. Wow, good um, one, Petey. What a fun game. Uh, we kicked a field goal at the buzzer to beat beat the Bills that day. And then I think we went back again when I was on injury reserve. I can't remember who we were with. I can't remember if I was with the Cowboys or if I was with the Chargers or not, but I do believe we went to Orchard Park and it was cold. I know that. Um, but I love the Bills right now. I love Coach McDermott. Um, I love what they're doing offensively. I, Josh Allen is a stud. Um, I well, just you said don't know. You said they're not beating New England. I just don't. I mean, New England looks like they did with Tom Brady and – we all know how that turned out for the Bills and Buffalo fans over the years through that process. So, how is that possible? How is that possible? I mean, people are going to lose Belichick. their marbles. Bill Belichick, that's how it's possible. That's it? It's the greatest coach of all time. Yeah. Wow. All right. I mean, it's just that simple. Ryan Leaf, ladies and gentlemen, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you very okay, much, Ryan. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure talking to, with both of you. Thank you. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at The Instigator 76. 
And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word. Thank <laughs> you.